welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where we'll give you weird book recommendations and you're just going to have to trust us. I'm Meredith. I'm Susan. And we're the only two here today. <laughs> Private party. No. <laughs> yeah. Party for two, please. Party for two. Yeah. So how are you, Susan? I'm good. I am exhausted. Uh, we just flew back home yesterday from Disney. Whoa, Disney World. Oh, Sorry, man. <laughs> that must be really fun. But also, yeah, you've got to be so tired. So tired. a toddler and... Yep. Oh, my gosh. Almost kindergartner, yeah. Yes, almost <laughs> kindergartner. No. Almost kindergartner, yeah. It's nuts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did they have an awesome time, though? They did have a lot of fun. We kept it. I mean, so, we love Disney, so let's be honest here. This is not going to be our one and only Disney trip. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it work. But um, we so we kept it as low-key as possible. Like, we didn't go on a ton of rides. We just did a lot of walking and looking around. Like, um, at Animal Kingdom, we saw the Festival of the Lion King. Oh, fun. Yeah, and uh, so we just kept it super low-key. They loved it. They had a blast. Um, they both napped really hard in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, everybody had a good time. It was a lot of work, but it was worth it. Um, now that it's all over. Oh, <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah, but as you can imagine, I didn't get much reading done. <laughs> no, I would say not. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. That's okay. I mean, they're, they're family priorities and all that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and Disney is pretty awesome it is pretty I haven't been in years but yeah. it is a lot of fun it has changed so much like we uh went to magic kingdom the second day and they added on to cinderella's castle um, really yes like not huh. only did they build like more princess castles like a beast castle and uh, ariel's castle but they built um those uh lookout walls or whatever uh-huh. That they have around the castles and the village, you know. Um, they built some of that around Cinderella's castle, like that flares out from it. Huh. Yeah. I, I had like, no idea. Yeah, I was like, this is not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been five years for us, a little over five years for us since we last went. <laughs> oh, so they've been busy then. They have been really busy. Wow. Um, so you should go back. It's going to be like a whole new experience. <laughs> It'll be like a whole new world. Ah. Too much? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I see what you did there. Yeah, you see, yeah, you did. <laughs> so, have you been married? Just had to take it. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm doing really well. Um, I did actually do, get to do a fun bookish event earlier this month. I got to go to a book launch party, uh, which was really fun. It was for Reign of the Fallen by Sarah Glenn Marsh, which I'm very excited to read about. And another cool thing was I got to meet a uh, internet book friend and actually one of our loyal podcast listeners, Bill Bloom. He was there. And yeah, so we got to hang out. We were uh, waiting in the signing line for like an hour and a half. Wow. (laughs) So uh, I got to hang out with him and his wife and uh, a couple other friends that drove up for the event. And uh, Bill's also an author, and he gave me a copy of one of his books called Gideon's Hunt. 
So I'm excited to read that as well. So, hey, free books. Yeah, seriously. I'm curious what you think. It's like, yeah, because I'm um, on on Let's See, there are, you know, a few independent authors and things, small authors and things like that. I'm like, and I'm friends with some of them. I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should read their stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Exactly. I think I should, I should give it a, like a look see and just not just be like, oh hey, I know this author and like know nothing about what they write. <laughs> exactly. So that'll be fun. Nice. Uh, and I know you said you didn't really get much reading done on vacation, but yeah. what have you been reading? Uh, well, I have been reading The Hobbit. Um, a, a few friends and I are doing uh, Lord of the Rings reread. And we're starting oh, with The Hobbit. Yep. And we'll be done with The Hobbit this coming week. Um, so I had to like keep up with that reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I've been reading A Wrinkle in Time um, for my local book club. Um, I thought it was a good way to get in a reread for myself. The movie's mm-hmm. coming out and it's like a you know fantasy sci-fi book that fits our theme usually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually kind of jealous that you're rereading both of those books right now because that sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, and it's been like some great discussions with The Hobbit. I'm like, wow, you guys, like, you guys are so smart. <laughs> 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 and with The Hobbit, because I mean, it's a children's book, you know, like young adult mm-hmm. children. So we've been reading like a few chapters a week. Um, once we hit Lord of the Rings, we'll probably start, you know, doing like a chapter a week. <laughs> yeah, they start getting real long. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were. We were discussing the chapter of the Council of Elrond mm, and just, mm-hmm. I mean, with my copy, it is like just over 30 pages. <laughs> like, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to focus on that chapter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And A Wrinkle in Time, I've read that so long ago um, that I just forgot a whole bunch of stuff. And so yeah, I, I don't even, yeah, I, it would almost be like reading it for the first time for me because it has been so long. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> like, I'm well, so that's good I'm that it holds this. up. Yeah, it totally does, I think. But <laughs> I just have to read the rest of the series because I didn't realize it was a series until after it was a while since I read A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I had no idea. So I have more books to read. <laughs> <laughs> There's always more books to read. <laughs> uh, yep, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So what have you been reading, Meredith? Well, I just finished my first Sarah J. Moss book. Whoa. I know. So I'm like finally on that bandwagon of SJM fans, I guess. Uh, um, I'm still so, running after that wagon. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, I'll get there. Um, yeah, so I'm starting with her Throne of Glass series. Uh, and so far, so good. I mean, I've only read the first and there's like seven or so, nine. I don't remember. There's a lot of books. Uh, but it was good. Like, it's a good, fun YA. And I'll be interested to see where it goes from here. Because I think there's probably going to be a pretty pretty big change coming in mm. the books. Okay. Uh, so I finished that recently. Um, right now, I am reading City of Lost Souls by Cassandra Clare. Still trying to get through the Mortal Instruments series. <laughs> I say, you're but I'm getting along. there. <laughs> I'm getting there. Uh, so that's going pretty well. I'm almost done with that one. So then I'll just have the sixth book left in that series. And I am listening to Bonk, the Curious Coupling of Science and Sex by Mary Roach on nice. audiobook. 
uh, because I know uh, our in our real life book club read that years ago. I yeah, guess before long, I joined or when I was active. I don't ago. know. Oh man, a long time ago. <laughs> so I was like, well, uh, I wanted to read it anyway. I like listening to Mary Roach on audio, and I figured it'll make a good verb pick for my Mad Libs. Oh yes, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, so I'm working on that. And I've actually, so this is the third book that I'll be working on for my Mad Libs. Uh, I finished This Is Just My Face, Try Not to Stare by Gabare Sidibe. I'm using that for my exclamation because I thought that would be funny to hear someone exclaim. <laughs> and uh, I'm using A Little Bit Wicked by Kristen Chenoweth for an adjective. Nice. That's yeah. cool. Are you listening to the audiobook for A Little Bit Wicked? I did. Uh, yeah, I actually listened to, uh, I guess, technically all three of them so far that I'm using for Mad Libs and nice. audiobooks. And they're they're all good because, you know, the um, Gabrielle obviously is also an actress, uh, mm-hmm. Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, you would know, well, most people probably know her more from <laughs> Wicked, but she has done some TV acting as well. Yeah, Pushing uh, Daisies. I yes, love her Pushing that. Daisies. <laughs> and actually, I, I didn't realize how old the book was it was actually she was writing that while she was still in pushing daisies finished the first season or something nice so she's she does talk a lot about that and it's like i hope it stays on the air because it's such a great show damn it (laughs) (laughs) it was a good show though it was i love that show yeah so it was interesting really to get both of their backgrounds because they're both people i know of but i don't know a lot about Mm mm-hmm so, but very different lives. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's interesting. Nice. You were just yeah. making your way through those eclectic reader Mad Libs. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so far, so good. We'll see if I can keep it up. Nice. Yeah. So I came across a really cool article uh, by who else but Victoria Schwab, because <laughs> apparently we can't get through an episode without talking about her. Nope. Uh, <laughs> which I'm okay with. But uh, it was actually on NPR, and the title of the article is Just Trust Me in Praise of Strange Books. And so, of course, that got my attention. Uh, And so in the article, she talks about how she rarely gives book recommendations that fall along the neat divides of genre. And uh, she says she wants stories that don't fit into easy boxes, one that defy their own ostensible categorization that make those who recommend them stumble before finally saying, just trust me, (laughs) which I thought was interesting. And so uh, the books that she talked about in the article, her just trust me book recommendations were uh, the library at Mount Char, Lab Girl, and All Are Wrong Todays. So I know Mm -hmm. I haven't actually read any of those, but I've heard the library of Mount Char is like crazy weird. That's what I heard too. And I've heard good things about Lab Girl, mm-hmm. which I guess is like some sort of uh, mixture of memoir and like, yeah, sciencey stuff. I'm not quite sure. That's what I hear too. It's like, I mean, I think that's what like people have a hard time describing it. So like we're having a hard time really talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just heard it was good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I haven't heard of All Our Wrong Todays, but I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, I never heard if- of that one either. If Schwab recommends it, I would probably like it. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. 
So Susan, what would you say are some of your Just Trust Me book recommendations? Oh, man. So when you shared the article, I was like, yes, we can talk about this. And um, I just thought immediately of three books that came to mind. (laughs) Nice. I was like, holy crap, there's like, I have a bunch of books I tell people to read. And it's like, it's, it's different. Um, So one of them is The Book of Lost Things by John Connolly. Um, I had to actually kind of look it up because it's been about 10 years since I last read it. Oh, okay. (laughs) And um, it's about a little boy who loses his mother. And uh, he goes to books for... um, solace and uh, he gets pulled into those world of books and is trying to save that world from uh, a king that's fading away um it's like well i kind of remember all that stuff but it just and it's because it's been so long i don't remember the details but i always remember like i remember liking that book and it's just like staying with me hmm, nice. um i actually did a book swap with a friend um and i it gave her this book to read. I was like, I really enjoyed this. And she messaged me a little while later. She's like, it was a really good book. <laughs> oh, awesome. Isn't that nice when you get that feedback? <laughs> well, especially with, you know, uh, Just Trust Me books, weird books. It's like you never know if a person's going to like it or not, you know, because you have such a mm-hmm. hard time describing it. So that person doesn't really know what they're getting into. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then uh, I just read American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Very nice. So good. <laughs> um, that is, this book is also kind of hard to describe. Um, but I would have to tell you to listen to the 10th anniversary audiobook because it is voiced by a full cast. Um, yes, that's the one I have. Yes. I just haven't gotten around to listening to it yet. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, and it's about a war between the old gods of Europe and new gods that appear in America. And this one guy, Shadow, is like kind of caught in the middle. Um, really, really good. I mean, it's it's Neil Gaiman. Like so, most of his books are kind of hard to describe. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> I actually have one on my list. So. <laughs> And then um, the last one that came to mind was the Rabbit Back Literature Society by Pazi Yasklanen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get <Yeah>. it? <laughs> I think pretty close. Yeah, it's like okay. Um, it's been it's been years since I read this one, which is this book is also on my list to reread. Um, this book was really hard to describe, but it was so good. So good, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So those are the three that immediately popped into my mind when you shared the article. Mom. Yeah, I feel like rabbit back. I 100% agree. That's pretty much whenever I think of like, if someone wants a weird off the wall kind of mm-hmm. book recommendation, that's what I that's my go to because it's like, well, it's kind of magical realism. Mm-hmm. But then there's this mystery within yeah. <laughs> it. And then it there's a little bit of like horror elements. Yep. And then and you don't get all your questions answered at the end. So mm-hmm. don't expect like a nice bow at the end of the book mm-hmm. to get tied up. But yep. it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I definitely agree with you on Rabbit Back. Another one that I read a couple years ago that I would put on a just trust me list is All the Birds in the Sky mm. by Charlie Jane Anders. Yeah. Because it's... It's like part fantasy because there is magic and witches and wizards and that stuff. And but then it's also sci-fi because you've got 
uh, a lot of scientists that play big roles in the story. And then there's like the, they're trying to stop the end of the world and they're looking at moving people to other planets to colonize. Mm. But then it's also kind of a romance because like there's a love story that kind of is what interconnects everything. And then there's like this AI portion. Like (laughs) it's like, just, just, just read it. Right. It's good. It's on Um, my Kindle. I did get it. I think there was like a Kindle deal or something where it was like two bucks. Oh, nice. I'm clearly going to get this. So, Mm -hmm. so I'd say those two are ones where I, yeah, I just kind of stumble over trying to explain what they are because they don't fit into one genre. Mm -hmm. And then two other ones that, I mean, I think, pretty much fall into the fantasy genre, but are just a little bit more out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Magonia by Maria Headley. Uh, it's it's a YA fantasy, but there's just some really kind of weird different elements that I loved and some people definitely did not. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's kind of a hit or miss I've found for people. And then, of course, Neil Gaiman. I feel like all of his books are like just this interesting eclectic mix of mm-hmm. different things, may I say. Yeah. Uh, so I would say Neverwhere would be one of my recommendations for Ooh, people. Because, I mean, a it is one. a fantasy. But then it's like, well, there's this, like, whole other kind of, like, sect of people that live down in the London tubes. And yeah. it's just, it, it's pretty weird. But yeah. it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> so you know. just trust me. Yeah, Neil Gaiman definitely is mostly fantasy but it's not typical fantasy. Like there's always exactly. some twist to it that makes it really interesting. And at least the ones I've read of him so far, they like it's fantasy, but it's still set in our world. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd call it magical realism either. You know, it, it's no. still I'd say it's still fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, those are some awesome recommendations, Susan. I'll have to add on, <laughs> and I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping to get to American Gods this year. But oh, um, you should. We'll it's see. so good. <laughs> I mean, it's long. It's over. It's definitely over ten hours long. I think over fifteen hours long. I think so. Yeah. Um, but it's so. The cast is phenomenal. Um, the people who who act, the characters are really good. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got that. I don't know on some sort of audiobook sale I think and mm. I was like oh a full cast recording because that's always fun yep uh, so it's good to know that it is a good recording yeah so that maybe that'll bump it up a little higher on my list <laughs> well and then with Neverwhere I never actually read the book but I did get the radio play um oh. that aired on BBC I believe BBC radio mm-hmm. um done by like uh these famous actors like the only real one that really comes to mind is James McAvoy <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like it's a whole bunch of famous people who acted out in a radio play and it was really good. <laughs> so it's, Yeah, I bet that would be good. Yeah, so obviously it's a bridge because it's like more of a play than reading the book. But it's, mm-hmm. it's really good. I would recommend anybody to listen to that as well. Awesome. Yep. Well, we asked our Litsy followers to give us some of their Just Trust Me recommendations. And we had some good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beaches in Books said, I love weird genre-bending books. The Refrigerator Monologues by Catherine M. Vallant and Fever Dream by Samantha Schweblin were two of my favorites from last year. Mm. And I've definitely heard some interesting things about Fever Dream. Like, like you literally feel like you are 
having dreams when, you know, like when you have a fever, you like have weird dreams. Apparently that's what this whole book is like. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, Glass as Diamonds said, mostly mine are nonfiction blends. Bill Bryson's Down Under, Victoria Finlay's Color and Jewels, For All the Tea in China by Sarah Rose, and The Raw Scent of Vanilla by Amelia Brisciani, which I will rave about to anyone who will listen, but which few have ever heard of and is a blend of memoir, magical realism, and true crime. That's bizarre. That, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. That that does kind of pique my interest a little bit. <laughs> and then Susanna said, The Sparrow by Mary Doris Russell. Depending on who you're recommending it to, it's literary fiction dressed as sci-fi for sci-fi fans or sci-fi in a literary fiction overcoat for literary fiction fans. Regardless, it's a tremendously well-written novel with terrific characters and world building. Which, good job, Susanna, on <laughs> that. That was that was a very nice review, it and was. it's been on it's been on my TBR forever. Uh, but that just reminded me that I need to read it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of any of these books. <laughs> I'm just like I have not heard. And with um, memoir blends, like I have never heard of that until Lab Girl. Yeah, no. so apparently that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That's just, I'm going to have to read something of it so I can, like, really get an idea of what it feels, you know, feels like. Because mm-hmm. I have never heard of a memoir blend. I thought a memoir was just a memoir. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Man. Yeah, so books. that's uh, some some additional books to add on to the never-ending TBR. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> so, well, let's ch- uh, check off a book off our TBR list with this one and uh, head on into American War. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, so a quick summary of what American War is. Uh, we follow Sarah Chestnut during the Second American Civil War. She grows up just outside the free southern states, but is then pulled into the war because of tragedy. We see what war does to one person and how much it can change and mold a person forever. Um do you say Sarat or is it Surat? Like I'm not. I've been saying Surat in my head, but I mm-hmm. think it could probably go either way, right? Because yeah. her her name was Sarah, so Sarah, right. yeah, yeah. Whatever oh. you want to say, Susan. Okay. Maybe we'll just say them differently. <laughs> yeah, I I had no idea. I'm just like I'm just gonna call her Sarat because it feels like it flowed more how they would say. It. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, when when the author says says it. When we'll hear it, then we'll know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyways, what was one thing that stood out to you about this book, Meredith? Oh, wow. There was a lot of things that I know we'll get into in detail. But the first thing, pretty much the first thing you see when I, I was reading an ebook, but, you know, so as I'm flipping through the title page, you get to a map mm-hmm. of the United States and how much it has changed, like, topographically. Mm-hmm. Florida, like, sorry, Disney World is no longer <laughs> a thing. You will not be able to take your kids there at this time because it is completely underwater. There's, yeah. like, one little piece that's an island now. Yep. And um, just, and some of it isn't as drastic. Obviously, like, Florida's underwater. But then just looking along the coastline, you're like, that just, it looks a little different. And then you realize, oh, yeah, because it's just not there anymore. Like, Washington, D.C. is gone. So, yeah. 
not good for me either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it was just, it was interesting to actually see that because you hear about things, right, about climate change and how Mm -hmm. waters will be rising, but to actually see a map with it. Yep. Saying, you know, this is what, you know, and I mean, it's their rendition of it in 2075, but it's not that long from now. And the country looks very different. (laughs) It does. And not to mention the territory lines are Mm -hmm. super different. Yeah. It's it's like, whoa. (laughs) Um, Yep. Because Mexico basically expands um, into the west Mm -hmm. and north, which was interesting. It's like how how the American government has fallen so much to where like the military isn't functional, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I, I wish they had had it on the map, but I wanted to see what Alaska looked like because um, the crater ends up and they, they called it, I think new Anchorage. Mm-hmm. And they, they said it was like an Island, but I was like, how I want to see that. What happened to Alaska? <laughs> But it wasn't on the map, unfortunately. Oh, I thought it showed where he grew up. Was it cut off then? At least on mine. Okay. I mean, I was reading it on my phone, so uh. maybe that's why. Because <laughs> I was like, I could have sworn there's because there was a dot and showing like where he grew up. Mm. So, yeah, I think I think he's at least saw part of it. I think. Mm. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was kind of fascinating because it's just so real, um, so yeah. realistic of like, this is, this is definitely something that's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me along that lines, like, uh, the one thing that stood out to me was the detail that the author went into writing this book, like with the map and things like that. Um, it wasn't like super flowery or super descriptive or, you know, you just pile on a lot of adjective, comma, adjective, commas. Um, but it was, I could see it in my head. I could see the, the, um, was a uh, camp patients, you know? Yeah. Like uh-huh. I just, I just saw like all the tents and stuff just for miles. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it was fascinating. Like I was, he's very like to the point, but it was just enough to really give you a good image of what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is a, the second civil war, um, right? And this civil war is about fossil fuels, um, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm, like that, I can because at first I was thinking, oh, you can't just go into a civil war about not you know, not being able to use fossil fuels. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, <laughs> I could actually really see that happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, because um, not be, I think what it is is that fossil fuels was mostly a huge catalyst of how the war broke out. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I mean, we see it now. It happens all the time. Like, how dare you ban fossil fuels? I want to use fossil fuels. You can't keep me from using it, you know? And Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally what's happening right now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have some people in the administration 
that uh, are bringing, let's bring back coal. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Coal? And, you know, let's build this huge pipeline through the Dakotas. Right. And it's like, but we need to be looking forward because I, sorry to break it to you, but at some point we are going to run out of fossil fuels. That that's a thing that's right. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know there, you know, like historians and whatever have said that the first civil war was kind of like the North working towards the future and the South wanting to hold on to the past. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's pretty much what this second civil war is based on too. Right. I yes. mean, uh, the North wanting to stop all use of fossil fuels at this point, because I mean, good grief was already falling <laughs> apart and, there's not that much left anyway, so we need to be moving towards sustainable energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, this is definitely a thing I could see happening. I know, um, I guess a little over a year ago now, I think it was January of 2017, I had to go on a work, work trip to West Virginia, and we are driving through, and there was these huge, like, man, like man-made, handmade, um, <laughs> well, I guess they were man-made too, but, but handmade billboards, like in people's like big, um, like lots of land. Mm-hmm. And it was like, make coal great again. Uh, you like, uh, oh man. Okay. Um, so I think like this is definitely a thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. This seems to be, um, a real hot topic for people. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I, I I find that so frustrating because yeah. we live in a society. When you're in a society, you need to do what is best for a majority or everyone, you know. And these people who are talking about fossil fuels and how it's coming back, it's like, no, because there's proof that we are using more than can be made naturally, you know. There's Mm -hmm. proof that it's terrible for our environment. (laughs) Uh, And there is proof and practice of sustainable, renewable energies being used. Alternative energies that are way better that we have the technology for. And yeah, it it just it boggles my mind. Like, how Mm -hmm. is this the thing you're arguing with? I'm sorry that we're moving forward into a different technology into a better type of world maybe. And I mean, it's not just the person's fault, right? It's the company's fault. It's the, like the coal company's fault. Like you need to find ways to help these people transition. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. Cause right. I mean, they still need to make a living and right. this is all they know, but mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's, well, it's not sustainable, right? The whole that's the whole point. Um, but a lot of stuff is going to have to change within our infrastructure and mm-hmm. within our like our regulations and stuff before the the you know green energy and sustainable energy or whatever you want to call it can really come to the forefront. Right. And I mean, I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that we can get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we see in this book. I think, um, oh yeah, so I did write it down. Um, one of the first things kind of like in the epilogue, Mm -hmm. the, the narrator is looking at old like pictures and postcards and he says, yeah, these are from the 2030s and the 2040s, the last decades before the planet turned on the country and the country turned on itself. 
um, America as it existed in the first half of the 21st century, soaring, roaring, oblivious. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that maybe we can be less oblivious in real life than we were in this book. I hope so, too. I mean, uh, I am I'm lucky enough to live in a state that's pretty progressive. Yeah. Um, but I know that a majority of the states in, you know, around the world is, is not like that, you know. Um, but this is this whole civil war with fossil fuels. Hey, sounds pretty ridiculous. But, you know, as we're talking about it, it's completely plausible, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like once you really think about it, you're like, mm, yeah, OK, I yeah, I can see this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, it, it's history repeating itself because once this war happens with the civil war, with all the bombings that go on, mm-hmm. um, the, the, what they call themselves uh, the free Southern freedom, Southern States, free Southern States, free. Yeah. Free Southern States. Okay. I think, yeah. um, again, secede from the government and form their own government. And then that's when everything starts to go downhill, you know? Right. It's like, now I do have to say, I was surprised that this war went on for as long as it did. Yeah. Um, because they say the they they see the start of the war as being in 2074. Mm-hmm. The end of the war is 2095, but then there's a decade long plague that follows the end of that war because mm-hmm. of what the um, one of the free Southern rebels yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unleashed upon uh, a big contingent of people. Right. And then it just spread like crazy. But I just, I I don't understand why the North kept fighting. I mean, at some point you just have to be like, okay, fine. You want to be your own like free Southern states and use your fossil fuels that are running out and will be completely useless in a few years anyway. And you don't have any money. And like, I, I would be like, okay, fine. You go do your thing (laughs) and we'll do our thing and we'll keep progressing and be better off. Like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like why, why did they keep fighting? Yeah. That's not really mentioned because this is all the point of Sarah and she's obviously in the Southern States. Right, so, so we don't, don't really get any of that. Exactly, like you just see the propaganda that's fed to her, that mm-hmm. the North is terrible, the North does all these bad things, and you know they don't care about the people, and they're destroying families and things like that. Um, but it's like, well, clearly the North is has like a uh, a um, a better initiative of why they want you to come back to be part of something better. But, I mean, wars are expensive, you know? Like, how yeah. much are they putting into this war to where they can be putting towards good instead of trying to get these states who just don't want to have anything to do with you? <laughs> right. And obviously we've seen, at least from the map, that they already lost some of the land to, they called it the Mexican protectorate, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming that means it's under Mexican rule now. Right. And and I don't, like, is it a pride thing? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we've already lost this much land and we don't want to lose more <laughs> or I, I like really right because I don't know and, yeah. and I feel like in in that sense it is different than the first civil war mm-hmm. because I mean we were still a fairly newish country right. and and I think there would have been a lot more economic impact because you still had like the big cash crops of like cotton and some other agricultural things in the South yes. mm-hmm. that if the North had truly lost all of that, it would have hurt mm-hmm. a lot. But what were they gaining if they kept 
these few southern states in at that point because like nothing's really growing very well anymore because yeah. climate change and all of that. So I don't know. Was it really just like pride? I that mean, that's that's what I'm thinking, <laughs> which is completely yeah. ridiculous. There are dictators who went to war for that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd rather not go into war, you know? I mean, you know, that would be nice. <laughs> um, but like a life that's over. And I mean, the, the southern states were floundering. Like, you know, oh, yeah. I think eventually they would have been like, you know what? We screwed up. Uh, can, can we, we come back? Yeah, like we can't do this. Um, we don't really have a military. <laughs> we don't have, you know, public um, services. Uh, could you help us out a little here? Yeah. <laughs> now, to be fair, we don't really know. Like, like you said, we're only seeing it from the southern point of view, but we don't really know how much of an impact this war even had on the north. Right. Because, yes. I mean, maybe they just kept troops along the borders and because it's not like for the most part, you didn't really see any of the southerners getting past them and like causing havoc mm -hmm. in other areas of the country. I mean, I think sometimes they would get through with like suicide bombers and stuff. Sure. But maybe I don't know, maybe it really wasn't that hard for them just to keep some troops along the border um, oh. and and. You know, and so like maybe most of the country didn't really see any difference in their lives mm -hmm. because I feel like I wrote it somewhere, uh, but pretty much talking about like they don't even really know what the war is like. The war is oh, yes. here uh, in the red. Um, it's not really affecting all the people in the north. Mm hmm. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, I feel like you did put in the notes, but <laughs> um so many I wrote so many quotes down because there's a there was just so much I was highlighting because it was super interesting. Yes, a lot of the thoughts um I thought and one thing that I really liked was um it all being in Sarah's point of view, you only get the south and it's like, you know, this is what it's like for the opposition cuz you know, the north in this world the north for that world is good. The South mm -hmm. is bad. Right. Um, but then you see how these people are suffering, you know. And, it just... and, and they are suffering because of the North, right? right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So you do. It's interesting to get it from the South's point of view. Mm -hmm. And I found the quote. Oh, good. <laughs> it's in the doc. <laughs> so um, I guess Sarat was saying, you know, I don't expect you to understand it. Your side fought the war, but the war never happened to you. In the red country, the war happened. Yes, that's that's exactly the one I was thinking of too. Mm -hmm. um, and let's let's talk about Sarah a little bit because she is obviously the you know main per main character. We're following right. her life. Um, do you did you find Sarah to be um, a typical protagonist or an anti-hero? So, I mean, she's definitely the main character, right? Mm -hmm. We're getting things from her point of view. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, uh, Surat, I'm like, oh, I have a lot of feelings about her. Um, like, are we, are we supposed to be sympathetic towards her? Are we not? You know, she does terrible things. Uh, so I don't know if, 
if you really can call her your typical protagonist? Like, do we really, do we want her to come out on top in the end? Yeah, no, I was... No. Yeah, when you see Um, the direction it's going at the end, it's like, oh, no. No, no, no. Don't Uh, don't, don't do this. (laughs) Right. So I think, in a sense, I guess she is an anti-hero. Because she, I mean, she does terrible things. And and not that you can't completely understand where she's coming from, but it still doesn't make it okay. Right. Definitely. Um, it's what you're doing is still terrible. Yes, you had terrible things happen to you, but there may have been other better ways to fight back. Um, yeah. I mean, we just see like hatred just consumes her. Yes. Completely consumes her mm-hmm. to the point of no return. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to see. And and not to say like she oh my gosh especially when they took her to um, the prison yeah oh the sugar my. loaf yes lo- whatever it was called a sugar oh loaf oh my god sugar loaf was it sugar I don't know I don't have my map up anymore yeah. I forgot to write it down <laughs> uh, the the little piece of Florida that's left that you have to fly to right because it's in the ocean now mm-hmm. um, and I mean she, she I mean she was tortured yes horribly tortured for years. And so I don't, I mean, is there any coming back from that? Can you really have any kind of reconciliation after that when you're freed? I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I can't. That's interesting you say that too, because, um, oh man, uh, Simon's wife, what's, uh, he, she was his nurse and then mm-hmm. got married. Her, I can't remember her name. Um, yeah. She said it too. She's like, she's been through a lot, like, but she's actually like, talking and coming out and socializing with us maybe she can change maybe she can get better you know but then in the end you find out "Mm, not so much (laughs) it wasn't enough like she just couldn't let go of that obsession right Um, yeah so I don't I honestly don't think I think what would help would be you know if you had like therapy and just had somebody to talk it out you know um but I I think it would it's something that just completely changes you forever um I mean, it uh, definitely changed her physically forever. Yes. You know? Oh, man. Like because you forget, like, the way they talk about her, she sounds like an old, old woman. She's not even 30 by right. the end of the book. Mm-hmm. She's still uh, young. Yeah. It's awful. She's still young. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's terrible. And and you do see she still has the capacity to love. Yes. Because she ends up loving her nephew so much. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't, like, that That love still wasn't able to counterbalance the hate that she had in her heart. Right. I mean, she didn't really live with them for very long, really, you know? No, not really. So maybe if, like, she had, she lived like that for, I don't know, 10 years, maybe she wouldn't have been so quick to volunteer herself. Um, right. But she may have still volunteered. She would have just thought about it more, you know? But also, I guess, maybe to give her a little bit of credit, she didn't go out looking for that last opportunity, right? That's true. No, she didn't. They came came to her. her. Mm -hmm. And I think when someone's giving you that, like, I don't know, do we we want to completely spoil it? I don't know. I I mean, people usually have read the books by the time they listen to this, so. Hopefully. (laughs) But I guess really big spoiler yeah if you don't want to hear it like skip ahead like 30 seconds but she's the one that sets off the virus that Mm -hmm. starts this decade-long plague at the end right and um 
the what was his name? Joe is the one that brought it, brought the proposition to her and yes. said, hey, do you want to just like kill tons of people? <laughs> She's like, I want to kill all the people. And he's like, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. And and I thought it was really interesting, too, where she asked him pretty much, what's your end game in this? And he's like, I, you know, she's like, do you even care who wins the North or the South? And he says, I don't care. You know, I'm from this new empire over which is what we know as the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And he's like, for us to flourish, we need your empire to fall. Like we need the United States to just completely fall apart oh man that was just so great wasn't it you're like oh man okay well you know he was truthful and i think Mm -hmm. she respected that but Mm -hmm. it was just the her hate just she couldn't see past it no no i mean because he's being so forthright like yeah you guys need to suffer so that we can continue to be um prosperous Mm -hmm. and it's she's not like oh well, I don't want that. I want my country to like get better, you know? <laughs> right. At, the, at that point, she doesn't even care. And what's really sad is, I mean, she probably killed just as many or more Southerners as she did Northerners because yep. this virus is just crazy. Yeah, it just wiped out a ton of people. Um, and it was really fast, too, you know? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the flu where it takes like a week. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it was interesting because she saved her friend. What was his name? Marcus, I think. Yes, she saved her friend Marcus. She uh, saved one, her friend, the one woman. Mm-hmm, the one woman and mm-hmm. her nephew. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like the three people, I guess she really loved in life because yeah. it was sad. She didn't save her brother mm-hmm. or her or his wife. Which I mean, she didn't really like her sister in law <laughs> anyway. But no. that was also an interesting relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Because. Growing up, they definitely had a lot of love for each other. But then she comes to resent Simon for surviving the attack on Camp Patience yes. the way he did. She yes. was like, I would have rather you have just died and been a martyr than to come back and, you know, be alive the way you are, mm-hmm. which was really hard to hear. It's so, and, and it's really funny, too, because he wasn't part of the rebels. He was in the resistance, you know. Mm-hmm. He was doing all that violence. And then here she is doing more of the violence, you know. Um, Does she pick up his work? Is she, you know what I mean? Like, is she trying to uh, live for her brother? Live in spite of her brother? I don't know. Um, I mean, that's really what the the tipping point was, right? Was Mm -hmm. that a northern rebel attack on camp patients where she had been living for like six or seven years by Mm -hmm. then. I can't remember. She'd been there a long time living in this refugee camp. And, and so that's kind of the tipping point where like, I guess hatred just like completely took over Mm -hmm. because I mean, she had seen things happening. Right. But they finally like really happened to her. I mean, her, her, well, actually no, technically her dad died because of it was some Southern rebels that yeah. set off the bomb, right? In the, yeah. So like that wasn't even the North. So like the first <laughs> death in her family wasn't even because of the North. It was the Southern rebels that did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I don't know. I mean, but then would she have been at that point if she hadn't met Gaines and he had started kind of influencing her and making her think differently, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I know that's something we wanted to talk about, but 
No, we can talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, I mean, how she grew up, he had a huge impact mm-hmm. on how, how she grew up after that point, you know? Like, she was very smart, you know? He saw potential in her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically took history and twisted it to his advantage. Right. Just enough. Like like they said, he still kept the truth in there, but he, right. he did just enough twisting to it. Mm-hmm. To, to his benefit, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's really funny because he's, isn't um, he the one who said, I sided with the Red because when a Southerner tells you what they're fighting for, be it tradition, pride, or just mule-headed stubbornness, you can agree or disagree, but you can't call it a lie. When a Northerner tells you what they're fighting for, they'll use words like democracy and freedom and equality. And the whole time, both of you know that the meaning of those words changes by the day, changes like the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a really good passage. It really is. It's like ugh, democracy, freedom, equality. That, those are all supposed to be good things. And he's turning it into this like twisted <laughs> lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think he's also really jaded because we mm-hmm. know he's from the North. Yeah. But as um, as an adult, you know, a younger adult, because he's pretty old by now, mm-hmm. uh, he fought for the North in the Middle East, and that's how he met Joe. Mm-hmm. And so I think he just becomes very disenchanted with the United States as he knew it. Right. You know, seeing seeing what the war was doing to all those innocent people in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is just kind of a way for him to stick it to the man. Like, I, I don't right. know. Um but he seems to be very good at recruiting people, mm-hmm. and he plays the long game oh, because yeah. he knew he knew that Surratt was too smart to be like, "Oh yeah, I'll go be a suicide bomber, strap a bomb on me," and and so he kept with it. And so I don't know if he's necessarily like the reason she became the way she is, but she couldn't have become the killing machine she became without him. Yes, he was a huge factor in how she lived the rest of her life Mm -hmm. um if if she didn't meet him i think she would have lived at that house um the the house they gave her um yeah Mm -hmm. probably bitter and angry but not a killer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think right. she would have been like an assassin. <laughs> yeah. And she wouldn't have taken any like political initiative. She would have just been angry. Now, to be fair, we, um, I don't remember if I wrote down any passages with this, but when they were still living in camp patients, her and her twin sister, like their whole plan was, oh, well, when we get older, we're going to move out of this refugee mm-hmm. camp and we're going to move to Atlanta and we're going to work for the free Southern States, mm-hmm. like as a legit, the legitimate government, not for the rebels. And, like, do our part that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, like, that whole idealistic thing just gets completely thrown away yeah. when the rebels come and, like, massacre pretty much everyone in the refugee camp. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. So I think that – so I think that – if that had still happened and she hadn't known gains, I'm not sure what she would have done. Like, she would have had all of this anger and mm-hmm. hatred, but I don't know if she would have had an outlet for it. Right. Yes. Um, I, I think I think Dana would have still gone to work for the government, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I don't think Sarah would have. Yeah. Um, I think she would have done something completely different. I'm not sure what, but I think she would have done something completely different. 
or or maybe she would have become a suicide bomber at that point if she didn't uh, have any other yeah. outlet. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, maybe she would at that point, maybe she'll be angry with the uh, the free southern states government. Like, well, they're useless. And I'm angry that my sister went to go work for them still. My brother mm-hmm. got injured, you know, fighting with the rebels. So I'm angry about that. Like, maybe, she, maybe she, you know, and, they, and the, the, the northerners killed my mother. You know, that's, that's a lot of anger. Like, <laughs> right. You may be, but, you may be right. But then at the same time, um, I wrote down this other quote, too, about when Marcus and Marcus's dad leave just before yeah. the rebels come in. Mm-hmm. And so it says, Surratt had grown to loathe the enemy nation beyond the Tennessee line. But in this moment, as she watched her closest friend disappear into that alien land, she wished only that he be safe there, that he live, that he simply live. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't hold it against him, even though she she hates the North with everything in her. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. She's, she's complicated, right? So complicated, yes. <laughs> because she... I mean, you see her personality. She's stubborn. She's smart. She's very independent. Um, so I think she would have gone to be very successful if she hadn't had such tragedy in her life. But mm-hmm. then with the people that got involved and the stuff that happened, like it just really twisted her, you know? Mm-hmm. And you've, and it's not entirely her fault. Like she was a good person, but like this war happening, just she is just so, just so hurt by it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel incredibly sorry for her. You know, yeah, but it still doesn't excuse what she no. did. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> and I think we, uh, it was really interesting at the end when we find out the way that we are receiving this information mm-hmm. is from her nephew's account of her journals. Yes. And so I think that for me, I was like, oh, like that kind of changes everything, right? Because mm-hmm. everything that we are reading was filtered through. Him yes. And how he ended up feeling for his aunt. And he had a lot of hate for his aunt at the end, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. <laughs> would, would we, would she have been more sympathetic if we had actually, like, if this had been just the, you know, like an omniscient narrator following her as opposed to it being an account that we are receiving from her nephew? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I realized that it was the nephew, like, finding her diaries, her journals, you know, and it's just like, oh, I don't think it changed much. Yeah. Um, I think I actually felt more sorry for the nephew mm-hmm. because he was so angry with, like, her taking him away for, at that point, no good reason, mm-hmm. you know. And he was so angry about that. And now he realizes, like, he was actually, she was actually saving him. And, like, I think it's, uh, he's just finally now able to come to terms with his life because of what she did, you know. And then he's, like, understanding where his aunt came from. And it's like, oh, now he's coming to a bigger understanding. So I think my thoughts about him (laughs) kind of changed. Um. But I don't know if it really changed how I felt about Sarat, honestly. Yeah. But we're not... I mean, it was written like we were getting it from her point of view, which Mm -hmm. I guess he took from her journals because that was her point of view. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It was just... I think that just added a whole nother layer to it for me. 
Because I know at the end he says, by the time I'd finished reading, there were no more means of escape, no more means of delusion. Laid bare on the page was the truth of it. She was not some accessory or accomplice. It was her that did it. That was her last act of cowardice, all those decades later, forcing me to understand her, forcing me to choose what to do with her secret. So I chose. On that day, I had finally taken from them all that there was to take. I piled the diaries in a pier and set them ablaze. I couldn't keep myself from burning them. It was the only way I had left to hurt her. Yeah. It's like the, that's why I think like my opinions of him and how he was shaped like kind of changed, you know? Um but with Sarah herself, it's like she's trying to do this one last thing, but it's like but you did these awful things. Like I can't reconcile that, you know? Right. Um And does she deserve it? Right. You know, does she deserve to have her story told where she might get more sympathy mm-hmm. or does she deserve to only be known as the person who did what she did? Right. And it's like, I feel bad that this happened to you, but I just can't, I I can't forgive the fact that you did this awful thing, these awful things, you know? Right. Um, and so that's where he is, at least at right. this point. Um, right. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I get what you're, I get what you're feeling, man. Like I am pretty angry with her too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I think this was at, I think this was in the beginning. It's, he said, this isn't a story about war. It's about ruin. I love that quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Cause it is like the war literally ruined Sarah's life. And I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. obviously war ruins a lot of people's lives, but her life in particular, just, she could have lived a better life mm-hmm. if the stuff from the war hadn't happened. Um, yeah. And even before she decided to be work for the rebels, even before then she could have had a, a better life. Like it might've necessarily been like good or prosperous or anything, but at least she would have been happier. At least she would have done something maybe more productive. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, it's just, it completely just shape it, it completely shaped who she became. Yeah. And that's, Mm -hmm terrible <laughs> yeah um that's such a sad thing uh it, and i think that's like one of the underlying things of this whole book it's like yeah war's just terrible it doesn't matter what you're fighting for or with or whom or why like it's terrible <laughs> right yeah you know? i mean even if you're in the right it's just mm-hmm. it's just ruins so many lives mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's heavy, man. <laughs> it is. It's really heavy. And it's like, oh, let's be optimistic about the future, though. <laughs> it's it's a little hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on, on that note, um, I think this is a good question to ask. Uh, did you like it? Uh, that's a loaded question, right? right? I mean, ah, <laughs> uh, I... I found it really interesting, Mm -hmm. like very thought provoking, really interesting. It was not a fast read. Mm -hmm. It took me like two or three weeks to get through this book. And it's not a long book, but I just couldn't read a lot of it at once Mm -hmm. because it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to process. Um, 
so I think I did like it. I'm I'm going to give it a high review on Goodreads because I think it was very well done. It's just a hard book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how like how I'd go about recommending it to people. Yeah, but I think it's worth a read if if you're okay with reading a a, a heavy story. <laughs> yeah, um, I was telling my husband this because. He finds it mind-boggling sometimes when I'm reading a book and I just don't like it and I'm still like reading it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, this book is so hard for me to rate uh, on like on Goodreads, you know, a five-star mm-hmm. rating, what, what would you rate it as? And it's because it's like, it's well-written, it's, it's very detailed, it's thorough, but the topic is so hard. It is just gut-wrenching. It hurts you know, like I, I mm-hmm. don't like it because it's just so hard to read and just the topic is so terrible. Um, I think I gave it a three. <laughs> yeah, um, be- I think I'll probably give it a four. I haven't rated it yet because I've yeah. still been thinking about it. Yeah, um, but it's just like it's so hard to say if you like this kind of book, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because like, you're like, well, did I like it? Like I can appreciate it, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> yep. Definitely, because yeah. it's like, it, you know, well-written, you know, technically and all that stuff is great, you know, mm-hmm. uh, subject-wise, matter-wise, emotionally. No, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the point, right? Yeah. It's supposed to give you, uh, you know, an emotional response. Yeah. So I think for that, it, it did what it was supposed to do. Right. Um, like, and. <laughs> And maybe, can I give this quick little thing maybe to yeah. leave it on a, a happier note? Yes, please. So, um, <laughs> and because um, I know you weren't there, Susan, but mm-hmm. in our real life book club discussion, when we were discussing this book earlier this week, you know, we were talking about stuff and like the timeline and everything. And so when uh, Surratt and her family are first going to Camp Patient mm-hmm. back in 2074, for a while, it's just them and this really old guy. Oh, on the yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's just talking about, well, you know, I've, I've lived by the, you know, the, by the river for, <laughs> you know, all my life. And, you know, I've seen all these changes, blah, 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 blah. And so we're talking about this old guy. And then we're like, holy crap, we're the old guy on the bus. <laughs> because that, like, you know what I mean? Like, granted, we'd be like 90 years old. But this guy yeah. was like 80 or 90. And we're like, because of the timeline, we're like, right. we're the old guy on the bus. <laughs> oh man reality check <laughs> right you know and so we'd be like well i remember back at the turn of the millennium oh, and everything man. was great and <laughs> well, well, i just had to share that's I thought it was funny. funny i mean honestly i wish i was I'm, i wish at this point i'm still up in the north you yeah, know <laughs> yeah you're i'm in gonna, colorado i think you're good yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm stay in my state <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go into the mountains make you know build a cabin <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just away from all y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you should you should mm-hmm. come over. We'll 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 build like a communal cabin society or something and then okay. you, you guys can come on over. <laughs> Community for bookworms. Exactly. I'm okay with this. <laughs> Sounds good. But yeah, that's really funny. Oh man, talk about a reality check. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to be the little old lady on the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So next book on the Eclectic Readers. <laughs> is Should be pretty different, I think. I am hoping so. The past few have been a little depressing. 
and and tough <laughs> um, is Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo. Yep. Um, I've heard some good things about this book. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Um, I've been like, I hear about it all over Litzy mm-hmm. and Bookstagram and all of that. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm finally reading it. Yes. So I am, I'm excited. It. So I put it on when you were trying to decide and we pick, you picked this book. I was like, okay, I'm going to check, see, you know, what it's, the, availab- the availability is on the library. And when I put it on hold, there was like a two week wait. <laughs> Yeah, like it's been out for a while and it's still really popular. I was like, oh man, do I have to buy another book? <laughs> Sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Um, but so I'll give it another week, see what happens. But yeah, it seems to be it seems to be popular still, so I am excited. Um well, just like always, all the books we talk about and the article um that Victoria Schwab has written for NPR will be in the show notes at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 45. And where can people find you, Meredith? You can find me all the same handle, Mare the Book Gal. I'm on, I'd say I'm most active on Instagram right now, but Instagram, Litzy, Twitter, Goodreads, all there. What about you, Susan? Uh, I'll be... Um, Goodreads, you can just, uh, you know, look for me, <laughs> my name or Eclectic <laughs> Readers. Uh, Twitter, let's see, would be Rurikaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. Um, I've I've been mostly on Let's See these days, mm-hmm. um, more than Twitter. Um, just Just a lot of unnecessary feeds and tweets. <laughs> yeah, Twitter Twitter can can be overwhelming yeah. and sad. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and... <laughs> oh, and also you can follow. We actually have a page for the Eclectic Readers on Litzy. Yes. So if you're on Litzy, you can yep. find us at Eclectic Readers. Yep, and you, we'll do like polls and you know surveys and things like that if you want to participate. So those are mm-hmm. usually fun. Um, yeah fun to participate with um and then also if you would go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode um once a month on the 15th like clockwork um <laughs> get your get your uh um your book podcast in um and then please rate and review us on itunes uh that is still the most popular way to get more listeners and more people to talk about uh the books we talk about and uh, listen to So please rate and review us, and I think that's it. So let's show this until next month. Bye. Bye.